Raider Nation, wake up and get ready because it's time for the morning grind on the official Raiders Podcast Network. Good morning, Raider Nation. I'm Eddie Pascal, and today is August 19th, 2022. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the morning grind. Today on the show, we are very excited to bring you a conversation with friend of the program, Mike Renner. Mike is the lead draft analyst for PFF and is a wealth of knowledge on all things football related, so it was an absolute treat to chat with him about his preseason philosophy, some of the Raiders rookies, and of course, his early draft board for 2023. You will learn a lot, so please enjoy our conversation with Mike Renner. Mike, we were joking before we started rolling that it feels like we are now in the ninth, 10th, 11th week of the preseason. But as the Raiders now get ready for their third preseason game, because they played in the Hall of Fame game, where do you philosophically come down on should player X play in the preseason? That's tough. And it's every, it's, everyone's different. You know, veterans, if a guy's played, the guy's been in a scheme with the team, whatever, for multiple years. I, I don't think preseason is necessary. Now, if you're on a rookie contract, haven't proven yourself, that sort of thing, going to a new team. Yeah, I think a drive, couple drives necessary, get you up to speed, make sure, just kind of get the all that anxiety, all the kind of you know stuff that you can't get rid of in practice. You can't show in practice, put on tape in the preseason, but for the most part, uh, the biggest, the worst thing you can do is get hurt preseason. The worst thing you can do at this time of year is get a guy hurt. You're not really winning any games, obviously, at this time of year. So I lean towards if you got starters that are good, I would not play them in the preseason. And, and you bring up a good point. And, and Josh McDaniels talked about it after the Hall of Fame game because Josh Jacobs and, and really all the Raiders backs played in that game. And he said, you know, people are going to make a big deal out of it. But he goes, it's important for me philosophically to have the backs get hit in a game because there's only so much to your point that you can do in practice. So I think that there is value, but it's such a fine line of, of where is, where is too much, if that makes sense. Yeah. And there definitely is. And I think we've seen it even more in recent years. Like there used to be, I don't want to say a decade ago, it was everyone played first one drive, two drives, half a full, you know, third preseason game teams would play a full half of football with their stars, which that just doesn't happen anymore. And, you know, teams are realizing that being cautious this time of year is probably the better long-term strategy rather than maybe coming out flat week one is not as big a deal rather than keeping these guys healthy. And I think the other thing to kind of add on to that is that you have kind of the rise now of the trendy joint practices. And, and we've heard so many teams, the Raiders are doing theirs, the Patriots next week. And, and we've heard from so many guys, from coaches, from you know everyone top to bottom, that there's almost inherently more value in those joint sessions than you, do, than you get out of a preseason game too. Yeah, it's a much more controlled environment, right? Like it, probably far less risk of injury in a setting like that. And I, I do think those joint practices have kind of replaced the preseason in a lot of ways. And I think they're going to be monetized probably somehow by the NFL in the future. And that's probably where we're going to see the, the game going, the preseason games going more towards that model. Yeah, I agree with you. And anything to uh, to make a make a little extra money never hurt. But since we are gearing up for the third preseason game, and, and I still really I still really believe, like at my core, there's an inherent value in these games, and especially for the young guys. What do you look for at, in in terms of rookies going through this three four week stretch? Like, what what really are the boxes that you want to have checked? I, I think it's good for the evaluation process. Obviously, any new tape is good, but it again, you have to have an opinion of the guys basically that they're going up against. So anytime you're looking at preseason tape of a player. So, you know, 
Uh, a guy like Malcolm Coots, a guy we didn't see much of as a rookie, a guy we saw back in college, but he's playing low level of competition. I think it's big for a guy like that to show. And I was very impressed with what he's put on tape already, where it's like, he's doing reps against guys that are better than pretty much anyone he's ever put on tape. You know, he played, like I said, a handful of snaps last year, but any guy he played back at Buffalo is not compared to the guys he's playing up against now in the NFL. So I think it's valuable for those type of guys. Then quite obviously the guys on the bubble of, you know, NFL roster, it's going to be massive for those guys. Just seeing kind of the cream rises to the top. If you look good in a saying like this, if you look good in the preseason, I don't care uh, where it is that you're looking good. It's going to be a good sign for your chances of making the team going forward. And one guy that has looked good uh, through two games, granted it's a small sample size, has been Zamir White, the rookie out of Georgia, a guy that has raised a lot of eyebrows in the best possible way uh, as we've watched him at practice and then ultimately for the first part of the preseason here. What do you remember about him at Georgia? He was, for my money, he's one of the most explosive backs in this draft class. I and mean, just in terms of a straight line from a standstill, he can get up to full speed at, you know, 215 ish pounds. I like get good size for an NFL running back. And that's what you saw on tape. You know, he gave him a crease. He was going to get through it. It didn't matter if a D line had a hand outstretched. He's going to run through that hand and he is going to continue at full speed until, you know, someone has to square him up to tackle him. That's the kind of back he is. He's really no nonsense. And that's why when the, you know, Josh McDaniels and the obviously the Raider staff drafted him. He fit Josh McDaniels ethos of what they have had. The Patriots have had at the running back position in terms of get downhill as quick as you can. And with, like I said, some power behind you and with a real no nonsense running style, that's going to maximize a lot of the run concepts that, he likes to run. And, and it's interesting you bring up kind of the group as a whole, because one thing that Josh has talked a lot about, especially over the past, you know, seven to 10 days is how they did things in New England. And it's be very, let's be very clear. Josh is doing it his way here in Las Vegas. But he said, you know, I'm a fan of having as many good backs as I can. And he brought up a, a variety of reasons. But I think that's a mere in addition to Josh and Kenyon Drake. And, uh, you know, you look at Britton Brown, another rookie who we haven't seen a ton of, but in limited reps, we've, we've kind of enjoyed what he's brought to the table. It'll be interesting to see how Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler really fill out that room in particular. Yeah. Any sort of fantasy football aficionado will tell you mm -hmm. or knows that Patriots do not have a bell covering back. They, they have almost never had a guy who was the guy that was getting all their carries, getting all their goal line snaps, getting all their targets out of the backfield. They have guys that fill roles. And, and I think that's how you've seen this Raiders backfield backfield be built. You know, and, and I think that, you know, we talked a lot about guys that we're still trying to learn, right? We're still trying to learn Zamir, you know, for a lot of these these younger guys and new guys that are, you know, fresh to the, the program, we're still trying to learn about. But one guy who is a new guy, who is fresh in this building, but I don't think we have too much learning to do uh, about is Devontae Adams. I mean, Devontae comes in, hasn't, hasn't played in the preseason, obviously. We've seen him in practice doing his thing. But I guess in kind of a broad philosophical sense, Mike, like what does Devontae bring to this offense in 2022? Yeah, definitely a guy that falls in that bucket of, we don't need to see him yeah. in the preseason. <laughs> you know? uh, philosophically though, he kind of takes the targets away from everyone else in terms of, or takes the pressure away from everyone else in that, you know, he's going to get open. It doesn't matter one-on-one. You know, -on -one, I don't care who, if it's Jalen Ramsey guarding him on the other side of the ball, you can rely on him being open. So that's just going to change the kind of uh, looks that everyone else is going to get. You know, if you're Hunter Renfro after the year he had in the red zone last year, he's not the guy getting doubled anymore. He's not the guy who's going to see help. You know, if you're Darren Waller, that all of a sudden, like you're not going to have the safety over the top of you when you go out and split wide. So I think that really helps uh, 
Derek Carr from sort of a knowing what you're going to get from defense perspective. And then the confidence of those other guys on that roster, knowing that, Hey, I do my job. I'm going to get a target because I know all that attention is going to be going Devonte's way. So it's, it's a massive sort of trickle down effect, adding a guy like that to the roster. You know, and I think it's what's interesting too, and what's going to be really fun to see as we progress through, you know, the entirety of the regular season is kind of how Devonte's role and, and Hunter's role and Darren's role for that matter, how it kind of shifts week by week by week, because Josh has been so open and transparent about, hey, you know, we're going to look, you know, we have the ability to look one way week two, and we're going to look completely different week seven and, you know, compared to week 11. So I think for me, just as as kind of a fan, seeing the different iterations, seeing how this offense molds and adapts and, you know, candidly, I hope gets a little funky is going to be a lot of fun to watch this year. Yeah. And if you're Josh McDaniels, you're a kid in the candy store. Oh, yeah. Like Devontae Adams, because it's like, he's not just, you know, people talk about some guys around the league, whether it's, you know, Cooper cup and Michael Thomas in new Orleans have gotten kind of knocks for the route tree. They run. There's no route that Devontae Adams cannot run at a high level. Like he he can open up the entire playbook. And I guess Hunter Renfro would be one of those guys where it's like, he needs to fill kind of a certain role at wide receiver. He's not doing every single route in the route tree uh, at a high level. He's not your vertical separator type of guy, but now Devontae Adams can be that and allow Hunter Renfro do the things that he does best. So yeah, if you're Josh McDaniels, you can do a lot of different looks offensively now with the talent they have. Let's let's play. Uh, let's game this out for a sec, right? Philosophically speaking, have you put your GM hat on for a second? You look at the Raiders this year. You know what you got in Devonte Adams, right? You know what you got in Darren Waller. You know what you got in Hunter for excuse me, Hunter Renfro. You got your big three, quote unquote, figured out. But when you're building out kind of the depth on the back end of that wide receiver room in particular, and I'm including Darren for the sake of this argument as as a receiver per se. But when you're building out a roster, Mike, like what do you, what kind of characteristics and assets do you want out of the guys a little lower on that depth chart? Your fourth receiver, your fifth receiver. I want a guy with speed. Truthfully, if I, if I'm throwing one more guy in that mix, I want someone who can fly because you know those other guys you can trust to get open. You can trust they can do their role. But if I have coverage going to all those other guys, I have every defender worried about those other guys. What can be, you know, that sort of cherry on top. What can be that thing that really turns the tables of that fourth option to me, it's speed to me. It's that guy that if you lose track of all of a sudden it's a big play. And so I think that really, if you had a guy who, you know, was a true burner mm-hmm. is really what could push that offense into that stratosphere of, wow, no one's really touching this offense. I think you've been been reading the the Raiders Twitter comments, Mike, because that seems to be the one that they all <laughs> yeah. want. They all want just that classic, you know, take off the top kind of guy, you know, stretch the defense, you know, and to your point that hey, if you if you lose track of him for a sec, hey, he may, might not be the most reliable, most consistent, but this is a dude who's if you give him the chance, he's going to make you uh, make you pay. But as we look ahead to the start of 2023, Mike, uh, this is or excuse me, 2022, I apologize. Uh, one thing that I always love about this time of the year is that we are inching closer and closer to college football. I enjoy having my Saturdays to be a fan and watch my beloved Oregon Ducks. But let's uh, let's game it out, man. Who's your who do you got? Number one overall in 2023. I'm putting you on the spot. Well, the Ducks are actually loaded defensively. They have a ton oh, that's of what I like to hear this year, oh, I but it. I don't think they're going to have the number one overall pick. They don't have a Kayvon Thibodeau this year. They got a bunch of guys who, you know, maybe kind of fringe first rounders at this point, but number one overall pick for my money right now would be Alabama's Bryce Young. I know I'm not going on a huge limb picking the reigning Heisman winner and an Alabama quarterback is number one overall pick, but I do think he kind of has that it factor, but from an NFL perspective, it would not surprise me if a lot of NFL teams were higher on CJ Stroud from Ohio state, just because of the size aspect, Bryce Young's going to 
as he is right now, six foot, 195 pounds. That's kind of unprecedented from a weight perspective, not necessarily from a height perspective. We've seen obviously Baker Mayfield at same height go, but he's still skinny, which NFL teams are going to worry about. CJ Stroud, much more of a, you know, prototypical six, three, two type of build. So I think one of those two guys is it. I lean towards Bryce young, but I don't think you can go wrong with either. This really is going to be a very, very good quarterback class. Oh, and I just can't wait to watch it, man. I miss, you know, I think the beauty of, of college football is up compared to the NFL they're similar in so many different ways, but you get that funk in college. You know what I mean? You're going to get that, that Pac-12 after dark game. You're going to get that random 74 to 68, Temple, Clemson, whatever it is. And, and I can't wait, man. It's a fun time of year. The weather's finally cooling down here in Vegas, and, uh, and I'm fired up. Oh, you're telling me, man. This, this is what I live for. This is why I do this job. So can't wait. Speaking of Las Vegas, though, are, we gonna, are you going to bless us this year, Mike? Is this the year that we get? Because you haven't been to Allegiant yet, have you? I ha- I went to Allegiant during the Shrine Bowl, mm. but I'm very excited to go. My brother has tickets to BYU Notre Dame. I obviously um, went to Notre Dame. You can see the Notre Dame sign there behind me. So I- I'm trying to get out there. Work is obviously takes priority at this time of year for me, but I'm trying to get out there. So hopefully I can get out for the BYU Notre Dame game. Should be a fun one. If I need to go rattle some cages, if I need to get in Dave's ear, if I need to go talk to my guy Dave over there and say, hey, let's let's get Mike to the desert for a weekend. You just let me know. All right. I, I would. That actually could help. I, I yeah. could be good, so. <laughs> all right. Do you know the deal on the uh, on the way out, Mike? 30 seconds of plugs. Where can the where can the people find you? Find me on Twitter at PFF underscore Mike and new a podcast dropping next week talking ball with Mike Renner should be fun interviewing a lot of people around the NFL a lot of college coaches as well so follow both of those awesome man love it love it love it and, and I tell people all the time you're such a valuable asset on Twitter a great follow you learn a little bit of something especially as we now get into the fall and you're really going to be diving into the nitty a lot of these guys that we see on Saturday and then also the what we're seeing on Sunday so thank you to Mike appreciate your man hanging out be well and, and hopefully see you in Las Vegas okay oh for sure sounds good And a big thank you to Mike, and make sure you follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Mike. Well, the Silver and Black travel to Miami later today and are set to take on the Dolphins Saturday evening in their third preseason game of the year. Kickoff is scheduled for 4 p.m. Pacific time. I'm Eddie Pascal, and this was The Morning Grind. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Morning Grind on the official Raiders Podcast Network. 